Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Allen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, September 26, 2021. Hey, everyone. I'm John Vanderbilt. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm Kelly Brady, and I serve as senior pastor here at Glen Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level. Hey, everybody. Hey, morning. What a great day it is, isn't it? It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful Monday. Everybody's Monday off to a good start. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I said nobody ever on a Monday morning. (laughs) Yeah, mine was slow. I go to bed thinking, I'll get up in the morning and work out. Didn't get it done. So (laughs) I have to do it this evening. What kind of workouts are you doing these days, Cal? I just sit in my... Um, <laughs> garage. When, 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 when you the start with sit, <laughs> <laughs> I just sit. <laughs> I sit in my garage. I have a bench press that Andrew made, and uh, I'll do a rep or two, and then read a chapter, and then lay down and do another rep or two. <laughs> lay down is key in that. <laughs> it's a bench. Press. He's into fitness. Fitness burrito in his mouth. Actually. <laughs> Actually, I've picked up a jump rope. That's hard. Jump roping mm-hmm. is hard work. It's brutal. It always yeah. looks awesome when you like see Rocky jump roping. It's yeah. always like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to rock that. <laughs> and then you try it, and you're like, this is hard. I have a rowing machine coming for my birthday. Oh. Now that is hard. Really? Mm-hmm. It takes some coordination to get used mm-hmm. to it. Will you please film yourself <laughs> when you first get it? I'm pumped. And, I mean, I, and have Sherry. Sherry I think we're done with the whole gym membership thing. You and like everybody else, yeah. right? Yeah. Everybody got their Pelotons in their house. Ago. Oh, we sold our Peloton. True story. Oh, <laughs> I know, because we weren't using it. We like the gym. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty uh, sure that's where we got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who got MRSA at his gym, so it could be worse. Gym, gym, like people going to the gym is really down, right? Like, like they haven't bounced back. Is that right? I actually don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I definitely don't want to work out with a mask on. Like. Ugh. Yeah, because you, you got to yeah. do that now. You don't have to work out when work out with one at my gym. Oh, I love nice. the stairmaster. I do miss that the stairmaster. So we'll see if the rowing machine works. There's always a guy on the plant on the stairmaster that is just sweating oh all gosh. over the stairmaster. Have you ever seen like <laughs> it's like every time you go anyway? Um, so, so so I just want to recap before we get into questions uh, yesterday because yesterday was a great service. Um, there was a, some really powerful things that went down. But one of the things Simone said when she came in, she was like, you had 10 people on the platform. It was, it was, it was the most people was we've awesome. ever had on the platform before uh, outside of like Christmas or, you know, whatever. But then what did you say? I said it, I said it was awesome and that I had to restrain myself. From? <laughs> from like the full two-handed praise. Oh, like I the full, Well, because... I know. It's, I didn't the mean touchdown? to have such a... The touchdown. <laughs> the touchdown. Both hands up. You I know. This is why... This is another church that we she's stopped more. going to because of this. Oh. The whole... I know oh. you can't see people yeah. listening, but they were landing you, airplanes. You're more of the... the carry the TV. Well, yeah. <laughs> I like it all football terms, though. If this is a touchdown, touchdown then this is a fair catch. Fair catch. A punt return. Uh, and therein lies the reason <laughs> why I restrain myself. <laughs> so you don't no, get was. I was. I was... In between a woman I didn't know and the new friends who came, old friends who came yesterday, um, you brought for the first folks time. to church. Um, kind of. We had told them 
we invited them yeah. and then didn't know they were coming. And cool. so they came. Yeah. I mean, we've probably known them for 15 years. And so they had a list of churches they were visiting in the area. They'd, they've been in this area now for maybe two years. And Glen Ellen Bible was right. not on their list. Huh? And we just wow. said, why? And they thought, they literally said, well, it's because it's, they said, no, we thought because it's in Glen Ellen, it might be snooty. Oh, okay. hey, that's fair. Zing. And that's I, fair. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. It's anything but. So not to jump ahead. But Probably yesterday's young. message was so authentic. It was so authentic. <laughs> but then were you like, yeah, oh, but I was, this is the real. This is the real church. Like First service or second? Second. And then were you like, yeah, but most people actually are from Wheaton, so it kind of... Well, I, I may be. My it's husband almost... Okay, so our demographics are 50-50. We should uh, check that. Wheaton, yeah, we should look to see. <laughs> it's see been a while me. since we... Historically, it's been about 50-50. 50, 50, 50 yeah. Wheaton, 50 Glen Allen, So I okay. think they enjoyed it. So you were restrained because physically or were you restrained because you don't want to come off like a weirdo? Well, these people would not think I was weird because I've known them forever. But um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you're trying not to look around, but you don't want to be the only you don't want to draw attention to yourself. And so I'm always like aware of, you know, what people think of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't there a scripture Wait, that Kelly, says pray? Kelly, Kelly, would you like to wound no. her for a minute? <laughs> right here in the soft part. Yeah, right, right. there. Can't the wait to have that. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to touch anybody's soft part. <laughs> oh my God. This is a second service bonus. Uh, if you were in first service, it was much better. You missed second service, second service and there's no recording, much... audio, or video of it. Second service, <laughs> I got home. Micah said, "Great, great sermon, Dad." I said, "It was too much." Ke-. She was in second service. I said, "Too much Kelly, not enough Jesus." <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, I was so very encouraged. Good. Yeah. Well, it's because you're from Texas. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you had a lot of Texas coming out. Oh. Yeah. Um, Come to small group with both barrels loaded. How's that for a violent metaphor? <laughs> with your spurs, get your spurs yeah. on before you head to small group. Yeah, right. I have images of your your grandpa. What is his no, name? No. Teat. <laughs> that was really his name. Yeah. Yes, you've said it from the platform. Why can't yeah, you? Not editing that out. Yes, you have. I've never yeah, said you that did too. Yes, you have. One hundred percent confirmed. You have. I think about the two by four story yeah. all the time because it's True awesome. Story. It's so awesome. Tell it's, me, we're going to edit out. No, Grandpa. Not at all. Not at all. Oh my gosh. But what I'm trying to figure his out. Nick, though, his real name was Leon, so everybody called him Teat. Okay. All right, Leon. Yeah. I'd go with Leon on that. I think all day. I would too. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I just, I was asking that um, because I'm just curious sure. as, you know, like how many folks out there would like to be more physically mm-hmm. expressive, but they feel like they may come across yeah. as weird or distracting mm-hmm. or I don't know. Do you guys feel it's distracting when someone is hands raised and super physically passionate in worship? No. I, I, let's be honest. We can distract each other in worship without a doubt. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's it's great to be aware of, but most people at Glen Bible Church aren't nearing that precedent. Yeah, I was gonna say like if if there's a line there, and when you cross the line, it's distracting, and before you cross the line, it's not distracting. I would say GEBC, by and large, is nowhere near the line. Right, the distraction right. line. We've yeah. seen the lines on on video, right, on YouTube, and we've seen those lines being crossed. Worship right? fails. Yeah, right? well, yeah, just you, you know, did say though. And, 
Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. No, just I just when yeah. it just looks like chaotic and frenzied yeah. and yeah. you know, like I don't want to be a part of You gave of that. the charge to sing out. Yeah. And I yeah. I kind of it kind of felt the same idea, like whatever, yeah. you know, don't hold back. I loved the analogy of this is this is practice. Yeah. So, that was inspiring. We're talking about practice. All right. <laughs> Well, you were such in rare form. <laughs> I was unhinged in second <laughs> service. I don't know what that is. I, there are times, if you speak enough, whether it's you know from a pulpit or in a boardroom or as a teacher, I taught high school for a little while. You you have to at some you have to say sometimes you know I need to rein it in. It, it can be too much, Kelly. Um, so, yeah, I'm aware of it. We've pinpointed the issue. Next step. Now, next step. <laughs> step number two. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with questions. All right. Let's get into some questions. First question. As you preach through Revelation, is it difficult not to be prophetic and speak directly to GEBC specifically? What would you say to us today? What loves have we lost? Who are our Nicolaitans? Nicolaitans. So we actually don't know anything for certain about the Nicolaitans. Uh, I often say it Nicolaitans, but it's not actually spelled that way. It's Nicolaitans. Anyway, there's a lot of speculation regarding who these folks were, why their behavior is hated, um, but we can't say anything uh, for certain, and which makes it really difficult to apply to our context. If, if you're not exactly sure what was hated, then bridging it. And if you Google it, there's a lot of. Yeah, I was gonna say we know some, but it's not. There's nothing concrete, right? Yeah, I mean, there's just from it's the when, followers of Nicholas, like well, an early, and I, uh, I early apostle, right? Well, we took things a little. Yes, there are a lot of people that say that. I, I just don't know if our best scholarship agrees with that but yeah i don't know they weren't on track we know that yes so there's a and, several and assumptions we could make right i met somebody out in the foyer and i said hey what'd you think today he's a close enough friend i can ask and he goes i should get back to you on that oh. so and was I, he at first or second sir it was first <laughs> he spurred you yeah. yeah and so i you know i wonder if people are wanting me to to get into stuff like that and you know, there's a there's plenty from the Bible that we can say we're certain it is saying. So I probably will not get into speculating about this or that. And um, and as far as have I felt it difficult to be prophetic? No, actually, I, I felt like it's been fairly easy to talk to Glow and Bible Church, to to talk to our community, and make application at a at a prophetic level. like So yesterday in both service, I mentioned if I were to write a letter to the American church, it would have some to say about prayerlessness. Mm. It would have something to say about pretending. I, I mentioned that we show up at small group and we act as if everything's okay when many of us, you know, are kind of bleeding, walking wounded. And so I, I would say something about prayerlessness and to the suburban church about pretending. Um, I thought it was, I was wrestling with this question a little bit, and I, I liked your intro. I thought it was a cool way to talk about um, kind of your summer sabbatical experience and kind of think about writing a letter. But it's, it's, these letters are, although to your point, they were shared yeah. in that region, it would be a little bit like 
let's not talk about writing a letter to the American church. Let's talk about writing a letter to Glenn Ellen. Yeah, right. right? We can so, get very specific here. And then Glenn Ellen shares with Wheaton, yeah. and Wheaton shares with Geneva, and yeah. Geneva shares with you know St. Charles, and it like that's more of the region. When it's when, interesting, you bring that up. You know that Wheaton was featured in the Wall Street Journal, uh, the hub of these ETFs. Yeah, kind of the, the birthplace and the you know the real momentum around this particular section of the financial industry. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to write a letter to you know the hub. Of you know, kind of ETF central, right. hmm. and I, I mean there's there's other letters that are written that are to other places, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of interesting. Like this, these seven churches in this kind of like would all fit in like the corner of a state, you know, like right. um, mm-hmm. and the specific applications. Like I said, you know, gr- they were sharing them together, and I think their the application spans wider than just these seven churches, but. This is a, these are really specific, small number of people, you know, so versus writing a letter to the entire nation. Yeah, I think it would be to your point. Writing a letter to a city is going to be much easier than and to I think, the American church. I think I would say too. I think I think all if it on the way we define prophecy, clearly these are some unique prophetic letters that are happening in a vision state. In John with Christ revealing, and and it's so it's de- definitely unique kind of prophecy. But the way we talk about prophecy, truth telling, and wanting to spur and convict and encourage, I think you do that every week. You offer prophetic words to to yeah. GBC. I wonder if question number one just isn't fueled by how the Revelation series so far is a little different than your yeah. typical Revelation series. So yeah. Sure. This week, and I'll just I'll just give this plug. Make sure you're reading ahead. I mean, if you're enjoying the series and you want to make the most of it, uh, read uh, chapters four through uh, eight. Wow. Actually, it's eight one, four through eight one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do quite a bit of work. And we have communion this Sunday. It's a beautiful section of scripture for communion. Uh, chapter five is all about the Lamb who's worthy. Mm. He's worthy to do something no one else can do. John's caught up before the throne of God, and he's in distress because no one can open this scroll. No one's got the authority to open it, but then the lamb who was slain has the authority. And so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a beautiful preparation for communion. And we'll finally get into some of the judgment that is so, um, so prevalent in, in the book of Revelation. It'll start in chapter 6. Yeah. All right, let's move to the next question. And I think this is in relation to... Uh, kind of what you were talking about, about wounding one another and, and those things. Um, uh, I would love to have those types of friendships, ones that I can trust to say hard things to me. But how? Yeah, this was the biggest question I got um, coming out of the pulpit yesterday. So I would, you know, I walk down the little four steps and I get to talk to folks and get some feedback from them. And um the single largest question is, yeah, I'd love to have those friends. How do I cultivate those friends? Um, and the first thing that comes to mind uh, is that, well, we need to offer that type of friendship to others. Mm-hmm. We need to be the type of people that we long to be in relationship with. We need to be someone who um, is gentle but doesn't shy away from difficult words um, and that uh, prayerful that can keep confidences. I, I just think of how rampant gossip is. Mm-hmm. I heard from somebody yesterday, last week, that um, 
somebody had asked them if Glenn Bible Church is a woke church. And I won't get into what all that means, but um, there's just, there's a lot of gossip in the Christian community, uh, talking about people rather than talking to them. And um, I think, you know, to create safety where, where we allow others to, are, are open for others to spur us on, we need to, we need to work on being trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody uh, one time ex- taught was we were talking about community, and somebody explained like often we go into community or we look for community so that the community can give something to us instead of us giving something to the community. And if we change our mindset when we enter into community, a small group or whatever, to say what can I contribute to the community rather than just what am I going to get out of this experience. Um, and sometimes it's the language we use, like, you should be in a small group. It'll be really good for you. But we often try to say things like, you should get in a small group so that you can share, you can encourage others, you can exercise be, your gifts. Yeah, you can be. Contribute. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And so it's, it's got to be, if you're just going to enter into something, I'm going to enter in so people say hard things to me and help me grow. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, <laughs> no, what are you going to give? What are you going to contribute? What are you going to, and it might take a significant amount of time to kind of cultivate if you go into the mindset of what am I going to um, give, but also hopefully gain, right? Um, yeah. It might take some time, but. When you were talking, Kelly, I was trying to imagine what it would be like to be someone who is looking for these types of friendships and entering into it and saying, well, let me model it. So I'm going to sit down and let me tell you where you're weak. Um, that might not breed. <laughs> That's fair. The, but yes. that could be the difference between men and women as well, but... I'm going to just start going into groups and saying I hard just, things to people, and hopefully people listen, say hard things back. Pastor Kelly told me to just be honest. I'm going to spur you right in the squishy spot. <laughs> anyway, uh, but what I was thinking that could also uh, help kind of cultivate these types of friendships is also to ask those questions. Where are you yeah. seeing something in my life that mm. you would like <laughs> to poke me? Yeah. I was actually... But, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It is true. I wouldn't lead in a new group setting with truth as a truth teller. I, what I mean is making ourselves vulnerable mm-hmm. yeah. is mm-hmm. is the way we find trusted friends. That's right. That's yeah. why you ordered the Nordic Trek so you don't have the squishy spots. <laughs> I would love to get rid of my squishy spots. Yeah. So I I don't you know this person's asking how um, uh, how to you know but how. I tell you, but how not? Um, I think we all have probably had friends or relatives. I had a relative; uh, she's passed, but um, where it's like you walk away from decades of interaction, and you kind of go, "Well, at least you know where you stand with with mm. person A mm-hmm. or whatever." With Aunt Jenny, mm-hmm. exactly. It's <laughs> right. like that's and 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 you know maybe your wife or your friends or someone who is with you is like that's yeah. what that's their takeaway. Well, at least we know where we stand. And it's like. After years and years and years of that kind of interaction, it just gets weary. Like it just, it gets old and tiresome, and because it's not delivered in love, right? Yeah. It's not. Yeah. At least she she didn't deliver the it that way. The velvet covered hammer. Right. Exactly. There was a lot of judgment felt, and yeah. just you know. And on the one hand, you did you did know where you always stood, and I appreciate. There's a level of that that I appreciate. It's like you know, yeah. but uh, when it's not delivered lovingly, yeah. it's it just becomes an issue. Yeah, you have to check the motive, too, in which you're offering 
I mean, you said repeatedly, we need to wound each other. Yeah. And I, and I, your point was so excellent. And I think everyone understood well received what you were saying, but I also thought it, you, you really do have to check your motive when you're offering somebody, you know, feedback or, um, not criticism, but just honesty. Critique. Critique, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe I should have said, I, I don't have a lot of people that I think, um, you know, in a one-to-one -one setting are looking for me <laughs> to spur them on. I'll be, you know, these are rare. Yeah. I mean, I, I gave examples of a, a pastor who was in my life and had served for 30 years and, and, I, and my wife. I mean, I will certainly take hard words from lots of people, but... Um, and see what I, but to your point, it's, it, it takes time. These are fairly rare experiences, rare relationships. I was going to say, do you feel like, um, you talked about, uh, that idea, the close relationship, the trust, that kind of stuff, and we should be in those circles and have people, um, and then in the moment you said, let me yeah, kind of spur you on, like, yeah. do you, do you feel, uh, a responsibility for that? In the role that you are, yeah, so because a lot of people don't have no idea who you are. First time coming to GBC. Right. So, so. Uh, and I would say context is king. So the words that I would be open to receiving from somebody one-to-one -one versus the words that I would offer one-to-many. Yeah, sure. It, you know, point. on the platform, I'm, I'm not looking. Yeah, you weren't pointing out Right, specifics. I'm not calling out individual sins from the platform. I'm saying generally our community needs to grow in this way. So gotcha. I do. I think the shepherds of God's people need to uh, play that that role. I mean, I texted you later in the day, John. This give you a window into my soul. <laughs> you know, second service, um, you know, I got uh, constructive feedback from second service, and, and I think that people were certainly engaged um, but I actually felt like, you know, maybe I climbed too far out on a limb and I'm not looking to alienate listeners. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, um, but I do think it is the role, uh, it's part of the role of the pulpit in the life of the church is, is to help us see, uh, there, sh there should be some spurring on, there should be some constructive critique. Yeah. It was interesting that, um, it was a, sort of a juxtapose, right? Like, a juxtaposition, just the the what Sherry shared and the the caring that went on <laughs> yesterday in the service. It yeah. really wasn't planned, and Sherry, yeah. in fact, wasn't planning on sharing what she shared in that kind of detail, but she did, yeah. and it sort of opened the floodgates for us for more prayer, yeah. for more calling, for healing. Yeah. So it was just it was awesome. this interesting yeah. um, a mix. It was, yeah. but it's it's a wide range of our faith. Yeah. You know, I thought it was on beautiful display yesterday. There were hard things said and there was also um, you know, I needs don't, met. I don't think you you would have experienced Glowing Bible Church yesterday and thought to yourself, um, that was too choreographed or, yeah. you know, it was it, it uh, oftentimes, and there there are risks to this. Oftentimes, the room for me feels more like a living room than a a sanctuary, mm -hmm. and I I prefer that. I like that. I think you know most of us spend our lives in living room settings, and so I think our pastoral experiences should have to some degree that that experience. Did you know I have a fog machine in my living room? <laughs> <laughs> now you just terrified <laughs> half our listeners. 
<laughs> we won't right. be breaking out any. All right, machines. let's go to the next question. <laughs> no, we're not really down. Oh, and let me let me yeah. just hit some high points here. If oh, you yeah. want these types of friendships, I, I would begin with prayer. I'd say, God, I could use those friends. Let me. And I would I would begin by asking God and asking God to provide those to you, but also m- create in you mm. that type of capacity to to be a blessing to others. You could befriend some people in that respect, mm. and then. Um, Again, I would just really work hard. I think the Christian community, myself included, can work hard on keeping confidences. And, and that's essential for good friendship. That's good. good. Oh, two book recommendations. Sorry. Cool. There is a, one of our parishioners wrote a book that's great. It's called The Coward's Guide to Conflict. Uh, the author is Tim Orsini. A, a couple folks on staff have read it. Uh, we highly value uh, good conversation around here, conversation about strengths and weaknesses. And um, sometimes the Christian community can shrink away from difficult conversations. Uh, somebody else recommended Crucial Conversations Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High, another book. And I would just, sometimes we just need some skill. Sherry and I needed skills, tools in our toolbox for marital conversations that were inevitable. And we really needed to grow. So. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you... Uh, do you talk to Sherry before? I didn't. You have enough. Yeah, I've shared as much that, as I shared yesterday. I've shared it before. Yeah. And I... Why? Was she giving me side eye? No. I, no. I thought it was great. <laughs> we'll I mean, there's... A, and, yeah, and I, you had mentioned the week before, you said something kind of funny, like... Yeah. And, 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 and right now, Sherry doesn't love that I'm mentioning her. Right. I just was one... So were you going to ask, does he ask Sherry ahead of time? Yeah. If he like, can tell that story right, or something. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I often, I mean, I've told, I've talked about our counseling. You, you, ad you had, I mean, I right. had, yeah. So it w- wasn't like new information, but well, is just, it newer to you? I uh, was that I, new? Uh, it was. I guess it was new, but it's certainly not surprising. Yeah, because gosh, <laughs> Kelly needs counseling. <laughs> that did Everybody not come out right. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> that did not. No, I would say that. I think that therapy in general has the t- the tides are turning and people mm. are realizing it is Mental so right. valuable and yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I, I love what you're saying here. It, what I'm hearing you say is it takes practice. Yeah. You don't come out of the gates. Well, knowing how just, to have, I didn't have the yeah. tools. Right. All I knew, my family fought toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose. That's how you resolve yeah. conflict, mm-hmm. quote, supposedly. And Sherry's did not. She had a different MO, and it was oil and water, and it just didn't serve. Oh, yeah. I was actually wondering if you, you got any questions or feedback about that. Because I, I feel like, oh, man, I felt like that was a... It was a, a kind of a vulnerable yeah. position you put yourself in in the pulpit. And I thought, man, a lot of people, you know, are talking through their marriage and yeah. particularly in the season that we're in. So yeah, it was really, really, go ahead. So it was interesting to me as I, as I think about how we interacted as young marrieds, me going into conflict in order to win fights and she went into conflict in order not to lose. Mm-hmm the offense versus the defense experience. And, and that is so common, so common. When we talk about our families of origin and how we grew up learning it, it's, you always hear two, there's never someone in the middle like, yeah, you know, I think we did okay most of the time, maybe every now and then. Not, it's either we went right at it, straight for the jugular, or <laughs> we totally swept it under the rug. Like, it's either one or the other. My daughter did something to me the other day where she made me feel um, inadequate, and like um, flustered 
because she was over, she was out arguing me and I was so flustered and <laughs> I felt that. completely inadequate. Mm. And I told the story to Anthony. I'm like, and I use those two words, like, babe, she made me feel so inadequate and so flustered. And he just looked at me very like softly. I was like, oh, do I do that to you? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, for 20 years, I've been looking for the two right words to describe how I feel when we're in conflict and you're like, you know, dysregulated, yeah. you know. I feel flustered and, and you know, whatever. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I will never do that again. <laughs> All right. Let's move to the next question. I went and read the rest of MLK's letter to the American church. It was interesting and left me asking, why hasn't there been more change in the last 65 years? Any ideas? I think there's been some change. Yeah. I mean, just... Yeah, at the surface, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, I think there's been lots of change, and I think there needs to be more change for, sh for sure. Y you know, it's one thing to pass a law in 1964 saying there'll be no more discrimination. It's a whole other matter to work discrimination out of people's hearts. I should say, there's been change in, in law and policy, right? and probably a slower change in the hearts of men and women, right? Yeah, and so, you know, the, the Sunday morning experience in America is still highly segregated. It's It's... So my, my big idea here is the church needs to continue to play a constructive role in, in this matter, uh, working for justice and um, equity, living as the pillar and foundation of truth in the world, which Paul describes the church as. So uh, I would recommend another book. There's a book out called The Color of Compromise that traces the role of the church mm. uh, in racism, and it's painful to read. So my big takeaway as a pastor, this is just, you know, because of my role, is the church hasn't played the constructive role historically that it needs to play. Have there been some shining moments? Absolutely. MLK, other pastors. I mean, his letter uh, from a Birmingham jail was to the pastors mm. of the city of Birmingham mm -hmm. who were asking him to stand down and be quieter. Mm. Anyway, mm -hmm. the church needs to uh, needs to stand up and take its rightful place. Yeah. And I, I would say, I think, to, to your point, and we were talking about the hearts of people, the church has a unique role in being able to speak to and and work <laughs> work with the Holy Spirit on on the transformation of people's hearts in a way that, um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do this, but lobbying for political change or you know, governmental or social programs to sort of right wrongs or prevent them from happening in the future or that, you know, those sorts of things. Um, they don't create the change in a person's heart that through the word of God, when you're preaching, teaching, disciple making, mm -hmm. um, working, you know, um, with the Holy Spirit to, to shape and change mm -hmm. people's hearts, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's a unique to your point, just a unique position that the church can have in these sorts of issues that other institutions. Mm -hmm. I think it's true in a lot of things, but I think it's particularly true in in um, this type of situation. Mm -hmm. Racism is not going to end in America because we make more laws that. No, I mean, it's just not right. I mean, it's a um, you know, if you think of so many things that the government tries to legislate, it doesn't doesn't go the problems don't go away yeah if passing laws were the cure <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i mean, I mean like a prohibition even i mean <laughs> it didn't work you yeah, know I mean, the government gives us the sandbox 
But it doesn't give us the truth. Right. Right? That's exactly. the church's job. Right? And, and again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have laws yeah. that allow people to sit freely wherever they want on a bus or <laughs> go no, to whatever sh- school they want to or marry whoever they want to, you know, you regardless on the color of their skin. Those things have to happen. But when somebody sees a, 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 a white woman married to a, a black man and in their heart they go, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Or I don't, mm-hmm. the law didn't, isn't going to change mm-hmm. their heart. <laughs> right. Just because it's allowed. So, anyway. You know, I'll, I'll mention, I, I did get some feedback yesterday that I think was hard for me. I'm still kind of processing hard for me um, just to raise MLK from the pulpit meets with some resistance today because of the, the, um, the racial tensions going on. You know, things in the broader American uh, society that are going on, like the removal of statues uh, to Civil War heroes that is going, has recently happened in Virginia. Um, the Black Lives Matter um, protests that were in the summer of what now, 2020. Um, just the ongoing work to process our racist history as a nation and then uh, wrestle with it um, makes the discussion uh, a tender one for some people. Some, some Christians are, are on guard. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've got that feedback. I understand it. Uh, back to the, the person in the community that recently asked, is Glow and Bible Church woke? Um, my, my point is here that clearly we have work to do mm-hmm. because just to raise the... MLK name meets with resistance and and so we were at the very least we could say the American population and the Christian population is in process on this and trying to work through it and so there's an analogy I heard once I read actually in a book do I dare tell you the book I read yes it's called cast uh, Isabel oh. Wilker- Wilkerson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you anyone read it? I, I have no, I've read her other book. Okay. Yeah. The one about mm-hmm. Chicago, Cicero area. So she gives this analogy in the book uh, that we didn't build the house, but we're living in it now. Mm-hmm. And so you buy an old house, you're gonna, and things are breaking down. You're, you're as a responsible homeowner, you're gonna address those things, or your house will collapse you're, or you're miserable or you're miserable right right right, right. and i don't, for some reason that takes because when i hear you say someone asks if glen ellen's a woke church like they're poking at something they yeah, want to sure. know so i'm a lot of times i wonder if those types of questions or the pushback I, I just it's hard for me to fathom why you would get pushback bringing up mlk um i think does it come from this origin of fear are people is there a fear that's driving people to wonder why these racial conversations are difficult are we admitting wrong you know as a white community if if we talk about that we we care about these issues you know what i mean so i just i'm always you know what is why would someone give you pushback for that when we live in the house we didn't build it we're not claiming ownership to it but but it needs repair it needs repair you know it's interesting to use your house analogy Mm -hmm. to use your house analogy uh sherry and i disagree on what to address in our own home Mm. Like, I want to replace X, and she sure. wants to replace Y. Right. And she's really happy with something, and I'm not happy with it. And I think on this topic, we get similar. Mm. Like, we don't have a problem there. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I, there's That's a, a good point. There's That's a, a good little point. bit. It's complicated. Uh, yeah. I also think, too, people, and I've <laughs> said this so m- many times on the podcast, people want to categorize and box in people, right? So, like, there's a box for those that are woke and not woke, mm. right? right? And so I want to mm-hmm. put you and and so if if Kelly is woke, then then Kelly also votes for Biden, mm-hmm. and he also is pro-choice, he's and he also is this, and he's also <laughs> right, this, and he's right. also this. So wokeness means yeah. all these other things, or whatever. There, mm-hmm. like, there's always it it's seems black, yeah, like it's it black feels and white. like it's yep. black and white. Mm-hmm. Box yeah. here, box mm-hmm. here, category here, category here, and they're polar, ends. and they're polar. Yes. Woke, and if you say Far left, right, mm-hmm. alt right, right. equals. Mm-hmm. So know. are you pro- are you progressive then as well? Like that's I hope this I'm big word, right? Anytime someone calls me woke, I want to say, okay, yeah, sure. You know, I, <laughs> so you're so, not intimidated by that. Like you don't feel like you're no, giving out John, the wrong message. No. But what's really hard is is uh, people they they want to draw lines, they want to draw categories, and say I'm a, I am not at a woke church because the 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 you know. And I'm not at, and I don't, you know what I mean? There's just these lines and these boxes. And, it, you know, if you were to say to somebody, um, you know, I, uh, I voted um, for Trump, but I also protested that George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. people go, what? Right. How can you, you know, I, I voted for, for Trump, but I did, I'm not saying I voted for, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just drawing the, I just the lines and categories. I just put you in a box. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but that's exactly right. If you were to say, I voted for for Biden, yeah. but I am pro-life, mm-hmm. and I'll march for, yeah. what? You right. can't, how can you, you're either one or the other, you're either black or white, and these terms are on this side, and these terms are on this side, and I need to figure out where you are and put you in a box in a category. Mm-hmm. So and you're, you are anti-racist, so you also teach CRT in the elementary <laughs> schools, don't you, Kelly? Mm-hmm. It's like, give me a mm-hmm. break. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do we have mm-hmm. to be so divided mm-hmm. and categorized? And, yeah. you know. and to Simone's point, I think the reason has to do with fear. Oh, yeah. And, and I feel fears sometimes um, and can be defensive and protectionistic, uh, thinking that someone is calling me to do something I don't want to do or shouldn't do or, or the Lord doesn't want me to do. So mm-hmm. I get it. More than anything, John, I love your point. Um, we are complex individuals. It's not as simple as saying Kelly's woke or Glow and Bible Church is woke. Uh, we're looking for a much more nuanced uh, position than that. Yeah. And, and it's, it will take time to work through. Our nation is in process. Our house is not in good repair. Um, just the tensions that are evident. I want to say, when people ask those questions, I want to say, I, I don't know. Why don't you come and be a part of the community here and yes. learn and grow and we're see what we're process. about? Like we are, yep. when you say, is it woke? Well, I don't think, I think 70% of the people here in our church go, what does that even? Yeah. Give me a definition. Do do I think yeah. that, what that do people that? of color are treated unfairly in our country? Heck yeah. Do I want them to be treated fairly going forward? Heck yeah. Have you touched a CRT? Does that make me woke? Okay. Does it not make me woke? Well, sorry. I, Right. You know what I mean? Like, come and be a part. Come and see. Come and learn. Come and participate. Don't we... Uh, Don't label me. Yeah. I mean, and I get it. I understand. There, sometimes labels can serve us well. But a lot of times, I feel like in today's world, they do don't. Do think people are looking for boxes? They don't serve us well all the time. Yeah. 
They keep us from conversation. They keep us from learning and stretching and growing when we just label and box instead of saying, I wonder what I can learn from this. I wonder if this would stretch me. I wonder if, you know, sorry, a little soapboxy. Jeez, John. (laughs) (laughs) Rough rough Monday morning, didn't you? I got out of hand fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm so uncomfortable right now. (laughs) (laughs) More than in worship? (laughs) I'm only doing this. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, we have, during this break, two quick commercials that we wanted to, or two quick promotions may be a better word, right? So we want to remind you the coat drive that kicks off last Sunday on September 26th and will wrap up uh, October 20th. We are looking to provide 800 folks in our community with a means to keeping warm this winter. So if you have an interest in being a part of a coat drive and tangibly demonstrating the gospel. We don't do this simply to be nice people. It's a way to actually demonstrate the gospel that we love because Christ has so loved us. And so we'd invite you to be a part of that. You can go online and sign up to fund a coat, that is to contribute the monies needed for us to go purchase a coat, or you can actually on Sunday morning pick up a uh, register to go out yourself. It can actually be a fun family activity that I used to do with our kids. We'd go out, I should say Sherry used to do with our kids, go out, buy the coat, and then deliver it to church. The coat drive's coming up be a part of that. The second thing is uh, baptism. I mentioned this last week. Love you to be a part of baptism. That's October 17th. If you have questions about that, contact Pastor Grant Armstrong at garmstrong at gebible.org. All right. Uh, let's go to the next question. Which church in chapters two and three of Revelation do you feel is most like America? I don't know. I read through your list a couple times. Yeah. You said, read, read two and three, you know, and we're going to do something in the ser- in sermons in the weeks ahead. So I was trying to figure out what what church uh, kind of connecting and all that. We're all of them. Right. We have symptoms and problems yeah. with... There's apathy. With all there's of them. There's sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. There's, there's, yeah. Lost our passion. I- idolatry. Yeah. Lost our first love. There's all sorts Lukewarmness. of... Lukewarmness. Yeah. Yeah. Typically, it's Laodicea that a lot of pastors will kind of hone in on. Uh, appearing wealthy, and the American mm-hmm. church sure appears wealthy, uh, but you scratch the surface and we're a mile wide and an inch deep. We we could grow in our depth. Is Laodicea the lukewarm? Yeah. 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 Cool. I read something about um, Laodicea that helped me understand what it meant to be lukewarm and just, it's purposeless, right? Like hot water has a purpose and yeah. cold water has a purpose, but being lukewarm, it just doesn't have a purpose. Like right. kind of off mission. Yeah. Most no. cons- you know, what car am I going to buy? Not you're good do my for friends know Jesus. When you're lukewarm, you're good for nothing. When Pretty you're, much. When you're yeah. cold, you serve you, a purpose. Mm-hmm. When you're hot, you serve a purpose. Yeah. When you're in the middle, like that doesn't. Nobody, yeah. Nobody offers. Oh, nobody no orders benefit. like a lukewarm cup of coffee, <laughs> <laughs> unless I'm real desperate. But anyway, I mean, I'll drink yeah. it, but <laughs> no purpose. Not what I prefer. Yeah. All right. All right. Next question. What do you make of Jesus saying that he would remove their lampstand if they don't repent? Does that mean that they would lose the strength of their witness or their salvation? I don't think we need to go to salvation. I I don't think that's what's in view here. He's addressing a church. Uh, I think it's they're going to lose their effectiveness. They're going to lose their witness, their influence. That's where I would go. Would you say that prophecy is fulfilled then? 
You know, that's an interesting question because uh, <laughs> Turkey's Muslim. The, the church in Turkey. Uh, you, you can is, go to Laodicea and there's nothing there. Right. Mm. Um, you go to any of these seven church sites and you'd be hard pressed to find a Christian mm-hmm. uh, in the area, in the region. I think the population of Turkey is, is less than a percent Christian. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, just these, these, uh, the, the ones in the Lycus Valley are, there's nothing. They're yeah. architectural sites. Yeah. Colosse, Laodicea, Aeropolis. Is Colosse even dug up? Mm-mm, it's just yeah. a tell, just yeah. a mound. Yeah. So. Excavated is the technical word. Is yeah. it dug up? <laughs> <Yeehaw>. <laughs> so I, I think it's more lose their influence, lose their witness. Do you guys have anything? Isn't that even relevant to today, right? There are in people who have influence who stop having influence after what they lose their lampstand, heat to air, you know. I think that's, I, I love this warning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I try more and more in my own life to remember and offer to, um, to the church that the invitations to joy, if we lose our lampstand, it, it's not simply about opportunity and responsibility. It's actually, it's, it's also about sharing mm, in the master's happiness. I, I yeah. lose out on my joy. I don't yeah. want to lose my lampstand. Because there's purpose in being uh, either hot, cold, hot water or cold water. Uh, there's uh, missionlessness and meandering and being lukewarm. It's, there's no joy in being lukewarm. Like yeah. All right, next question. I love the idea that Jesus is still healing, but why the seven-year wait for Sherry? If God is loving, then why do we have to wait? Real quick, if, in case folks weren't in the worship service, Matt, you want to fill us in on Sherry's yeah, story? Yeah, so Sherry's one of our worship leaders, and she um, she was kind of front and center yesterday and, and was leading us. And she shared after the third song, she prayed, and she shared um, that um, she had been um, praying about uh, for healing. She has a lot of health issues and chronic health issues, and she'd been praying for seven years uh, for something specifically, and at a recent uh, doctor's visit. She got some tests back and it basically showed that the problem was gone. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so, you know, answered prayer, people had their hands raised, they were clapping, you know, it was, it was quite beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and then she shared, but, um, she, I think she said something like, I could say that God is faithful because he healed me, but I'm not going to say that. I, I want to say that God is faithful because he was there the entire time with me walking through the seven years. It's it's a beautiful, awesome. beautiful word. Yeah, so really. then, of course, if you, you know, if you're hearing that story and you you believe that God is good, mm-hmm. you're asking yourself logically, right? Why the seven years of suffering then? Yeah. Like, why not less? And here we'd go to numerology because seven is the perfect. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, so there's five <laughs> letters in Sherry's name. No. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I have. That happens. People say, "Well, there's five letters in Sherry's name, and there's seven years of suffering, and now she like can expect seven years." Born in. Yeah, she can expect seven years of joy, and. Ugh. I have not heard of any of that at any point in my life. <laughs> so really? I don't know what kind of numerology. Yeah, well, I mean, sure. yeah. Just kidding. I was uh, yesterday at home uh, putzing around. I was just thinking of the many times that I was involved in prayer for Sherry as she suffered. Mm. Yeah. 
over the last uh, few years. She and Mark would come down at the end of service asking for prayer. And there were a couple times where the power of God was physically manifest during a time of prayer. It was palpable. I mean, you it was clear God was working in her life, in her body. Uh, we would say amen, and the three of us, Mark, her husband being there, and and we'd say, wow, that seemed really significant. Yeah. And um, I, I'm not sure why the wait, except that uh, God is very process-oriented. Yeah. And speaking of that in, in, in the process, like, yeah, I can't tell you why uh, it took seven years, but I can tell you uh, I don't know how many times at worship rehearsal or, um, or in the morning on a Sunday where we prayed specifically for Sherry and with Sherry, mm. and that there were, it wasn't just she was sick for seven years and then healed, boom. There were victories along the way. There was were perseverance. There were pers- perseverance. There were small, you know, I'm using my hands as quotations. Air quotes. Mar- air quotes. Small victories were won along the way. Small victories that we got to hear about and things that we got to participate in. And we got to participate in the prayer. Mm-hmm. We got to participate in the blessing and in the watching God work and feeling his power as we prayed. Like like you were just saying, Like, I mean... God is, is was was working in all kinds of directional ways, not just through him and Sherry, but through that process was ministering to lots of different people. So I don't know why it took seven years, but I can tell you some of the things that happened, and I'm just one person, yeah. and you're just one person, Kelly. Like, yeah. how know, many bo- other people were? The book of Revelation is building up to the second coming of Christ. We could ask this. It's the same type of question. Why has God waited mm-hmm. 2,000 years? Why, why hasn't Christ returned yet? And while we don't know everything, <laughs> which is to say, while we're not God, we know that God is good. The one who does know everything, what we know about him, and I, I love the way you kind of set it up. He's good. If you, now, if you believe he's good, then we can persevere in prayer while we wait. We can know he never leaves us or forsakes us while we suffer. And, and we're told in Scripture that endurance and perseverance is a part of the Christian walk, and he's doing things in our lives. Uh, along the way, he has in view both healing our bodies and uh, restoring our soul. It's it's a both and. So yeah. I I would say too. I think it's exactly what Sherry needed. It's exactly what yeah. she she needed in her life. And we don't know all the ins and outs. We don't know, but it was her giving testimony the way she did was so clear to me that she was loved by God, cared for by God, understood more of who God was, and, Trusted and more now. brought the word to our church about who God was. And what, it wasn't all about her. It was all about what God had done. And yeah. um, I feel like if it was seven days, it wouldn't have had the same impact. If it was 17 years, it wouldn't have had the same impact. It was exactly That's what God had word. designed for her. He knew her. He cared for her. He met her. And, and then ultimately for, for our church as well. So does everyone have to be seven years? Does every healing have to be this way, this way, this way? No, but they all should be about what God, what God, who God is and what he did and his loving care for that person and then the testimony to encourage the church. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right, let's go to the final question. The wounds given by a friend are absolutely necessary. What do we do when we are feeling already bludgeoned by other criticisms and unable to accept the wounds of friends? What happens when the iron is too brittle to be sharpened? This is a 
great question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You answer it then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I man, I don't have a great answer other than just, you know, it's a reality. It's, yeah. it's th- don't give up. <laughs> pray for softness. Pray for, you know, one friend, one instance. I don't I mean, it's a difficult difficult question. I I think this is a lot of relationships experience because whether it was somebody like I think of the work that I'm sorry to talk about you and Sherry but the work that you and Sherry have done where I I envision and I don't know if this is true but let's say it was unhealthy in year one well then you're in in year six and there can be like this feeling of oh no it's unhealthy again or you know what I mean like an unwillingness and because you've been um you've been beat up before whether it's even in your own relationship or you're your parents treated yeah. you a certain way, and so then you go into your marriage with a certain way, and and um, man, it, yeah, the undoing and unraveling of that is, you know, if you if you're truly brittle, get get some professional help, help soften your heart, ask for prayer for a softened heart, a, a softness in your life. But when I hear brittle, I think about, I mean, we have buckets, and when our buckets are full, they're full. You know what I mean? Like when my bucket for correction is full. Like, no, I mean, when it's full, like, that means I have other stuff to be focusing in on. And if you know men, like, I'm not a multi-tap, like, I'm one thing at a time. Like, and so if it's just, it's a day where it's just getting piled on from whoever or whatever, like, I don't, I don't have any more room in my bucket Mm. to take this emotionally. I have Mm. to work on these other things. Can you please understand that and maybe reserve or reframe or, or refrain (laughs) from what you're giving me right now. I think that's a totally healthy and reasonable thing to say. Now, you can't say that every day for 10 years. You know what I mean? But, I feel but like it's that's a reality. A, yeah. Yeah. Boundaries are good. I hear you're saying put up some boundaries when your buckets are full. Like you need some protection in a sense. Right. That's what boundaries can offer us a lot of times. I was thinking too, uh, maybe we're getting a little long here, but I was thinking too, like when you were talking about spurs and wound you know wounding <laughs> to go back to this again but i thinking in my life the way that i would need to be spurred and then the way that the people that i know love and are close to me that i should be spurring others on might look really really different yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair. so there's like some skill involved and some um i just even with my kids sensitivity i, I can say things to one child that if I said those to another child, it would, it would crush them. Mm-hmm. Um, in the other one, it, it might not even get through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You know, um, and I think of, I mean, we have five kids. Parenting five kids, it's like you need this enormous toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. To like, okay, what is this? And I make mistakes all the time by saying, mm-hmm. you know, s- trying to spur my kid on, and then I realize that's that's the wrong tool. Mm. That's mm-hmm. not helping that person. It's mm-hmm. good. Um, and so, you know, t- <laughs> one, think about the, the spurring that you're doing and the tools that you're using, and, and it's not a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. You can really beat somebody up thinking that you're helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can really allow somebody to get away with a lot of garbage and not make changes in their life by being too soft. Right? I mean... You know, there's a proverb about uh, a word and how it's it delivered in the proper time is like a choice apple or something. I forget the proverb. I'm butchering it. But it just the, the value of the, the right thing said at the right time 
to care for somebody is very real. I'll never forget, it was probably eight years ago now, I said something in a counseling scenario that was unhelpful mm. and had to go back. It was the wrong word at the mm. wrong time and had to go back and apologize and, um, and work to repair that. Um, the person that I offered the word to was actually um, dealing with so much at the time um, that my word overwhelmed them, mm. what I had to say overwhelmed them. So when I read this question, I think, man, if you've been bludgeoned and you can't take any more, I think it's great to be honest with yourself for a while. You need a timeout. Mm -hmm. uh, to Matt's analogy, deal with what you've got in the bucket before you take anything else on. Boundaries, great word. Mm -hmm. um, I think you also ought to have the freedom to tell the people that you trust, I'm drowning, I can't take any more critique right now, no more feedback. I, I think that's great. And then I would encourage you to draw comfort from the fact Jesus knows exactly where we are. There's a, a well-known verse, Matthew 12, 20, a bruised reed, Jesus does not break. Mm. He knows when we are bent and about to mm. break. Tender. Mm -hmm. Tender, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, we've, most of us go through seasons where we just, we're drowning, can't take anything else, and we can be honest with ourselves there. And um, we, can, we can talk that talk about that and say to people, I, I'm just in a really soft spot right now. I, I can't take any more critique. Divorce puts people in this position over and over again. When the person that you tied yourself to for life rejects you and abandons you, that puts you in an unavoidably tender spot. You are vulnerable. You're in a, and you need cheerleaders at that point. And you may need cheerleaders for a couple of years uh, where they're just cheering you on. And so... Right, like right when that happens isn't the time to go to someone and say, you know, it's a two-way street, right? Right. <laughs> There's always, it always takes two to fail. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Mm -hmm. All right, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to The Next Level. Prophecy.